welcome to Royally Screwed, my name is Chris Shearer, and it's my honor to take you on a tour through some of history's greatest, worst, and craziest rulers. On this episode, we're covering several people, but mostly focusing on Emperor Ai of the Han Dynasty of Ancient China. Emperor Ai is most well known as being accepted as homosexual by almost every single historian who studies him. With history, you get a lot of, well, maybe he was, or no, those two were just very good friends, or even maybe he was bi. But with Emperor Ai, it's basically just a big rainbow target painted on his back. But being gay was only part of his story because Ai's family was complex and just as corrupt as, let's say, the early Roman emperors. So, in order to get the full picture of Ai's six-year reign, we'll be taking a look at the tense world he came into, the misplaced hope thrust upon him, and how he eventually squandered that hope. And saying that isn't really a spoiler, because Ai is also well known for being... really corrupt. At least when it came to his boyfriend. So, without further ado, let's begin the story. We're going back in time to China at the end of the 1st century BCE in Be Gay, Do Crimes. Let's briefly talk about opinions over sexuality in ancient China before we talk more about the Han Dynasty. Like most ancient cultures, homosexuality and bisexuality were actually far more common than you would think and not just more commonplace, but openly accepted as just a part of life. During the Han Dynasty, at least earlier within this dynastic period, there was a big difference between romance and marriage. Marriage was for the continuation and honor of your family. That continuation part is important, meaning that you had to have a man and a woman, at least those genders assigned at birth, married in order to have children. It was a contract meaning, yes, we will have children together to further the family line. Romance, on the other hand, was something completely different. Obviously, marriages are happy with romance, but it was widely accepted that during this point in history, your partner was probably having extramarital affairs with someone they liked more than you. And yes, homosexual affairs were basically okay as long as the man went home to his wife at the end of the night. But that's not to say that you could openly go around saying, yeah, I'm a man who loves other men. It would be similar to going around in the present day and saying the different things that turn you on. Not a punishable offense in most places, but it will still probably not make you many friends. Public opinions towards same-sex relationships began changing as the Western world became more involved with China, especially with the arrival of Christian missionaries. It got to the point where laws started being enacted that explicitly outlawed homosexual behavior in relationships outside of prostitution. Ironically, there was a law created during the Ming Dynasty, the ruling dynasty from 1368 to 1644, that outlawed sodomy that was only repealed during the early 20th century due to Western influence. However, during the Qing Dynasty, the dynasty after the Ming, there arose a cult within the region of Fujian in southeastern China. Fujian was somewhat separated from the rest of China when it came to its local culture, and it was due to this that they developed a religious order around the Taoist deity Tuer Shen, the god of homosexuality. 
There exists a temple to Tuashen in New Taipei that is the only modern-day temple devoted to a god of homosexuality. Before we talk further about homosexuality within the Han Dynasty, maybe I should briefly go over who they were. The Han Dynasty was founded in 206 BCE by a man named Liu Bang, who then became the Emperor Gaozu. I won't go too much into his story because I'll probably cover him at some point in the future. Basically, Liu Bang was a peasant who served as the Qin Dynasty version of a police officer before becoming fed up with the political turmoil in ancient China, starting a rebellion against the emperor, and eventually becoming the emperor of a new political dynasty. The Han Dynasty did so much building for the framework of Chinese culture and ethnicity that the main ethnic group of China is called the Han Chinese, where they make up about 92% of the population, which also means that almost 20% of the global population is part of an ethnic group named after Liu Bang's dynasty. And that brings us to homosexuality specifically within the Han Dynasty. Almost every single Han Emperor was recorded as having some form of male lover. For the reasons I've mentioned before, you'd never actually have an Emperor getting married to a man, but there was almost always mention of an Emperor's favorite male concubine. And that's actually written about by people within the royal court. There's a book called Shiji, the English title is Records of the Grand Historian, which was written in 91 BCE, so in the middle of the Han Dynasty, that literally has a chapter titled Biographies of Male Favorites, the title referring to these favorite concubines. So, these relationships were well known enough for court historians to feel comfortable writing about them. And again, it was all fine and dandy as long as the emperor remembered his role for the nation. Get married to a woman who could bear him a son to continue the dynasty. If his wife couldn't bear him a son, maybe another courtesan could. Maybe he'd have to adopt a nephew or cousin. As long as he understood that his boyfriend could not interfere with the security of the dynasty. But what if you had an emperor who didn't care what others thought? What if you had a man so in love with another man that he would be willing to damage his empire for his beloved? The future Emperor Ai was born in 27 BCE as Liu Xin. His father was Prince Liu Kang, yes, like the Mortal Kombat character, although actually his name was pronounced Liu Kang, so let's go with that. And his mother was Liu Kang's favorite consort, Lady Ding. Liu Kang was the brother of the current Emperor, Emperor Chang. From a very young age, like basically right after birth, Baby Liu Xin was taken in by his paternal grandmother, Consort Fu, one of the wives of the former Emperor Yuan, Emperor Cheng and Liu Kang's father. By the way, the prince and emperor were only half-brothers. Consort Fu has garnered a reputation for being a greedy old woman. Usually, these are antiquated points of view that I try to ignore, but in Consort Fu's case, it's not completely wrong, as we'll get into later. When Liu Xin was only four years old, his father passed away, making the future emperor the new prince of Ding Tao. From a very young age, the prince showed promise as a brilliant student. This was very important because his uncle, Emperor Chang, did not have any children and would need to eventually find an heir. 
But before we continue down that obvious conclusion, let's briefly learn a bit about Emperor Ai's uncle. Before he became Emperor Chang, he was named Liu Ao. He was the older brother of Prince Liu Kang, but his mother was Empress Xiao Yuan of the Wang family. As he was the older brother and child of the Emperor and Empress, Liu Ao was made Crown Prince and named as the heir to Emperor Yuan. He and Liu Kang grew up together and were incredibly close. They both excelled as students and musicians, particularly as drummers. However, Liu Kang was much more diligent with his studies while Crown Prince Ao liked to spend his days in the company of alcohol and women. Emperor Yuan had many doubts about Crown Prince Ao, to the point where he wasn't even sure if he wanted his eldest son to actually be his successor. This almost came to a head when the Emperor's youngest brother, Prince Liu Jing, passed away. Liu Jing was around the same age as Prince Ao, so they had been playmates when they were children. Apparently, Prince Ao didn't grieve hard enough for his uncle-slash-friend's death, so the Emperor grew furious at his son. It got to the point where one of Ao's servants had to confront the king and lie to him, saying, Oh yeah, the crown prince is doing this because he doesn't want you to be overcome with grief. Apparently this lie worked, but Yuan was still not happy with his son. And still later in 35 BCE, when the emperor was struck with a serious illness, it was Liu Kang and Consort Fu who were mostly at his side, not Ao and the empress. The same servant as before had to once more go to the Emperor and convince him not to make Emperor Yuan rename Liu Kang as his heir. So, when Emperor Yuan passed away in 33 BCE, Crown Prince Ao became Emperor Chang. Emperor Chang's rule is considered a pretty rocky place for the Han Dynasty due to the interference of his mother, the now Empress Dowager Wang. Emperor Cheng began filling in political positions with members of the Wang family, which actually went against laws created all the way back during the reign of Emperor Gaozu that said only those who had helped shape the empire could be made into Marquis, which the Wang family had not really been doing besides Empress Dowager Wang being Emperor Cheng's mother. The Wang scooching into the imperial court threatened the power of the Liu family and the Han dynasty. That being said, the Wang family was relatively low on the corrupt scale, so they weren't actively causing harm. It just wasn't good PR for the Han Dynasty. But after over 20 years of ruling China, Emperor Cheng still hadn't sired any heirs. The two sons born to his consorts had died as infants. He would have to start looking at his extended family. And that was when he started noticing young Liu Xin. At the age of 18, Prince Xin, escorted by his grandmother, his teacher, the Prime Minister of Ding Tao, and the commander of the prince's armies, arrived in the capital city of Chang'an to meet with his uncle. Normally, the prince would only be expected to bring his teacher along for the journey to the capital city, but the prince of Ding Tao was able to recall the exact laws that would actually require him to bring the entourage. Along with his seemingly complete knowledge of all things Chinese, Emperor Cheng began considering making his nephew the heir to the empire. It probably also helped that consort Fu was greasing the palms of the imperial court. 
If her son couldn't be emperor, then her prodigy grandson was the next best choice. The next year, in 8 BCE, Emperor Chang gathered his advisors and asked them who they thought should be named as his heir. Apparently all but one suggested Prince Xin, with the holdout suggesting the emperor's younger brother, Prince Xing of Jiangshan. With the popular vote going with the man Emperor Chang already had in mind, he officially named Liu Xin as the crown prince. Initially, the newly named crown prince Xin remained humble about his new station in life. He refused to live at the traditional residence of the crown prince. He commented on the fact by insisting that, while accepting the role of crown prince, Liu Xin was still optimistic about the emperor's ability to produce a natural-born heir. Unfortunately, there came in question of whether being crown prince meant that Emperor Cheng was officially adopting Liu Xin. In the emperor's eyes, it did. This presented some problems when it came to the new crown prince's birth family. The emperor did not want Liu Xin to interact with his former family, meaning his grandmother and mother. Liu Xin was meant to live in Chang'an, but his relatives were forced to remain in Dingtao. The emperor also named one of his cousins as the new prince of Dingtao. Liu Xin's response to this was offering an official thanksgiving in praise that the position of his father, Liu Kang, now had a new successor. Emperor Chang was incredibly offended by this response, insisting that Liu Xin should no longer offer thanks or praise for anything done in Liu Kang's name. Liu Kang was not his father. That role belonged to Emperor Chang. Things slightly mellowed out when the Empress Dowager Wang, the Emperor's mother, so Liu Xin's step-grandmother, stepped in and decreed that Consort Fu should be allowed to visit her grandson in the capital. This was allowed under the weird train of thought that, since she had predominantly raised Liu Xin, she was more akin to a wet nurse than a grandmother. Though with this logic, Consort Ding, Xin's mother, would not be allowed in the capital. Well, there wasn't much time to worry about what Emperor Chang wanted, though, because he would soon die in 7 BCE. The official record of his death stated it was a stroke, but other historians suggest that he might have overdosed on an aphrodisiac given to him by Consort Zhao Hede, the sister of Emperor Chang's wife, though the overdose was probably an accident. And with Emperor Chang's death, Lu Xin, at only 20 years old, ascended to the throne of the Han Dynasty as Emperor Ai. The imperial court had high hopes for the new emperor. He had positioned himself as an intelligent young man who had the potential to be a great ruler. And he had come into power at a time when the dynasty needed him. History remembers his grandfather as a relatively indecisive ruler. His uncle was held to the rules of the Wang family and spent too much money on his own personal affairs. Emperor Ai brought a newfound sense of optimism to his courtiers when he immediately started reversing the power of the Wang family. He also planned on a major revamp to the system of involuntary servitude within China. He sought to limit the number of servants, or slaves, a person could own. 
lower ranking nobles and commoners would only be able to own up to 30 servants, which is still a lot of people, while princes would be able to own up to 200, with the nobility in between being allowed different set amounts. Well, when this plan got leaked to the other nobles, they were not very happy about not being able to own as many slaves as they wanted. After further thinking, I eventually issued a decree that freed any servant over the age of 50. A far cry from what he originally wanted, but at least it was a step in that direction. Unfortunately, the optimism surrounding Emperor Ai's reign did not last for too long. Just as Emperor Cheng had been under the thumb of his mother, so too was Emperor Ai under the power of his grandmother, Consort Fu. So let's learn a bit more about Consort Fu so we can see how she got to this moment. Unfortunately, we don't know her name at birth. She was from the Commandery of Henei, a commandery being an ancient administrative district in Imperial China, so something like a province. At a young age, she became a lady-in-waiting for Empress Zhang Wan, the wife of Emperor Zhao, who was five emperors before Emperor Ai. She most likely served as some form of lady-in-waiting or other lower imperial court position until she became a consort of Emperor Yuan back when he was crown prince. She, along with another consort named Feng Yuan, would go on to become favorites of Emperor Yuan and both would give birth to his sons. Liu Kang and Prince Xing of Zhongshan. From there, we get back to where we were before. She tried to get Emperor Yuan to see that Liu Kang was a more suitable heir but ended up failing to convince the Emperor. After Emperor Cheng's death as the mother of Prince Liu Kang, Consort Fu received the traditional title of Princess Dowager. However, her ambition for her son, and eventually this ambition moving to her grandson, grew stronger. She could have been the Empress Dowager if history had gone down another path. She didn't even receive a title change when Prince Liu Kang died because apparently Princess Dowager was the highest you could go in that direction. For reference, an Empress would become the Empress Dowager after her husband's death, or more simply it referred to the mother of the Emperor if his mother had also been an Empress. However, the Empress Dowager would become the Grand Empress Dowager if her grandson was the Emperor. Well, it just so happened that when Emperor Ai was crowned, Consort Fu was the grandmother of the Emperor. Just one eensy tiny problem. Only one woman was supposed to be allowed to hold the title of Grand Empress Dowager. There was already a Grand Empress Dowager, Emperor Chang's mother, Grand Empress Dowager Wang. There was also an Empress Dowager, Emperor Chang's wife, Empress Dowager Xiao Chang. Oddly enough, it was Grand Empress Dowager Wang who initiated the process of making things even more confusing. In order to make Emperor Ai's position feel more legitimate, she posthumously granted Prince Liu Kang the title Emperor Gong of Ding Tao. This meant that Ai's mother, Consort Ding, became Empress Gong of Ding Tao, and Consort Fu became Empress Dowager Gong of Ding Tao. The system of honorifics was never supposed to get this complicated. But still. The upgrade to Empress Dowager was not enough for Emperor Ai's grandmother. After all, 
hadn't she been the reason he got the throne? Just like when Grand Empress Dowager Wang held power in the Imperial Court, Empress Dowager Fu convinced Emperor Ai to fill in political positions with members of the Fu and Ding clans. Grand Empress Dowager Wang even went as far as making her nephew, Wang Mang, resign from his position as the commander of the Han Dynasty army in order to make way for one of Emperor Ai's close relatives. But the Emperor did eventually step in and ask Wang Mang to stay. Unfortunately, Wang Meng would run afoul of Empress Dowager Fu when, at a party, he complained that Empress Dowager Fu was to be seated next to Grand Empress Dowager Wang. Very soon afterwards, Wang Meng sent in a formal resignation to the Emperor. This happened several more times to members of the government who weren't too keen on Empress Dowager Fu's power grab. Things would escalate further in 6 BCE, yes, everything so far happened within the first year of Ai's reign, when Empress Dowager Fu decided to turn her ire upon the Fang family. Fang Yuan, the mother of Prince Xing of Jiangshan, had long been one of Fu's rivals, especially during their times as consorts of Emperor Yuan. When Feng Yuan's grandson, Liu Jizi, became dangerously ill, Emperor Ai sent one of his court physicians to help the young prince. It just so happened that this particular physician suffered from what most historians assume to be bipolar disorder. When he arrived in Zhangshan, he suddenly went into a rage and left the region. Upon his return, when asked why he left without helping the prince, the physician lied and said that Feng Yuan had bewitched him. Empress Dowager Fu saw this as her chance to finally be rid of Feng Yuan. She called for a formal investigation to be made against the Fang family. The investigator, a eunuch named Shi Li, tortured several members of Feng Yuan's family but was unable to figure out how the physician had been bewitched because it had all been a lie. Unfortunately, Shi Li had already killed some of the Fang family during his investigation due to his use of torture. He eventually confided in Fang Yuan that Empress Dowager Fu had ordered the investigation in the first place. Overcome with grief, Fang Yuan killed herself. In total, 17 members of the Fang family had died due to Empress Dowager Fu's lust for power. However, it was Emperor Ai who would end up taking the fall for the whole incident as public trust in the Emperor began to collapse. The next year, Fu finally got what she wanted when Emperor Ai decided to make an official ruling about his family. He finally removed the qualifier of Ding Tao from his relatives' titles. He also changed his grandmother's title so it was a variation of Grand Empress Dowager. The actual Chinese would make more sense if you saw it written out. Over the next year, Ai's reputation further fell apart as his ruling took on a more corrupted form. He had a habit of hearing proposals, approving them, but then not taking any actions on actually seeing them put into place. He also demoted and punished any officials who spoke out against him, especially if they brought up anything regarding his family. And though these punishments would often be reversed, it didn't change the fact that everyone knew they had happened. Emperor Ai was regarded as dishonest and potentially dangerous for the dynasty. 
Perhaps in the early years it was indeed because of his grandmother's influence. But soon enough, another person would throw their hat into the ring. And his name was Dong Xiang. Before 4 BCE, Dong Xian, about 19 years old at this point, was an obscure figure who had somehow managed to get a position within the imperial palace as a minor secretary. During that year, he was quickly promoted to an imperial attendant and leader of imperial equine operations, two positions that would put him in a much closer position to the emperor. And why was the supposed nobody granted such a swift promotion? Well, it's because he was most likely sleeping with the Emperor. Yep, Emperor I had found himself a new boyfriend and was very glad to give him new positions in order to show how much he cared about Dongxian. I should also note here that both men were actually married. Some historians even say that Dongxian might have had a child with his wife. Emperor I definitely was childless at this point. However, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, a man being married to a woman didn't really mean anything in this period of history for China. It was just the two men's duties as people living in the Han Dynasty to get married to women even if they were only attracted to men. It's unknown how the two men met or what drew them to each other, just that Dong Xian entered the picture and suddenly they were together. I threw tons and tons of gold at his boyfriend and Dong Xian's family. He even pulled the classic imperial move of offering political positions to Xian's relatives. Also, he went so far as to have the imperial architect design a neighboring residence for Dong Xian next to the imperial palace that was essentially just as large and extravagant as the main palace. Whenever the emperor would leave the palace, Dong Xian would be by his side as a constant companion. And obviously, they also slept together in the same room, in the same bed. That last fact has led to probably the most famous story to come out of Emperor Ai's reign, or at least a legend that has been passed through the ages to become famous. Supposedly, at one point, the two were in bed together. Dongxian was asleep, but Emperor Ai was awake and needed to attend to other business. Unfortunately, Dong Xian had fallen asleep on the sleeve of the Emperor's robes. Instead of attempting to pull his sleeves out from under the other man in fear it would wake him up, Emperor Ai simply cut off the sleeve of his robe. When the others in the palace saw what he had done, they admired the intensity of the Emperor's love for another man. This led to the rise of homosexuality in China being referred to as the Passion of the Cut Sleeve. During later dynasties, that term would become records of the cut sleeve when used to refer to more adult-oriented stories of male love. It's a term that's even sometimes still used today, though it's viewed as fairly old-fashioned and has been replaced by other phrases. And a final note on that story, people during the reign of Emperor Ai just began cutting off a sleeve of their robe, whether they were gay or not, just as a fashion trend. Indeed, if it wasn't for this story, I might have been completely forgotten about as just another corrupt member of the Han Dynasty. Dong Xian's slow rise in power continued throughout the rest of Emperor Ai's reign. In 3 BCE, I ordered that Xian be made the Marquis of the region of Gaowan. 
This was met with hesitation by Ai's Prime Minister, a man named Wang Jia, who, by the way, is actually not related to the Wang family mentioned before. Fearing retaliation against himself, the Prime Minister submitted a report to the Emperor that was worded in a specific way to make it seem as if he was simply worried about Dong Xian's safety rather than making it seem about the Emperor being corrupt. Male lovers of past emperors had seen their livelihood come under fire after the death of their emperor boyfriends, with many also being killed soon afterwards. Wang Jia was pretending he was worried the same could happen to Dong Xian. Emperor Ai ignored his prime minister's warnings. In fact, in 2 BCE, he would have Wang Jia falsely accused of some crime and had the prime minister executed. Soon after that incident, Dong Xian was promoted to commander of the Imperial Army, making him the second most powerful man in the Han Dynasty. To finally round out her story, Grand Empress Dowager Fu died in 2 BCE. Ai had his grandmother buried next to Emperor Yuan, which drove further criticism to his reign because that meant there was no longer a place for Grand Empress Dowager Wang. He further upset the Wang family by posthumously naming his grandmother as Empress, the same sort of honors that had been passed to his father. But with Fu's death, there was only one person left who Emperor Ai really cared about, Dong Xian. So he further granted honors upon his boyfriend's family, replacing many members of the Fu family with members of the Dong family. The next year, in 1 BCE, Emperor Ai fell gravely ill at the age of 26. He was probably always suffering from some form of chronic illness, but things really began looking dire around now. Figuring that he didn't have too much longer to live, Emperor Ai began putting together his earthly affairs. As he would pass away without having sired any children, Ai desired that the throne would be passed to Dong Xian. I don't know how people would have reacted to Emperor Ai's words in the moment, but they all immediately agreed on one thing. Dong Xian had to go. Very soon after Emperor Ai succumbed to his illness, Grand Empress Dowager Wang ordered Dong Xian to come to the palace. Shocked and in mourning for his beloved, Dong Xian was powerless as Lady Wang stripped him of all powers. That same night, Dong Xian and his wife would commit suicide. The Dong family was removed from their political offices. Everything Emperor Ai had done during his reign was very quickly being erased for the Wang family to take over once more. The instability of Emperor Ai's reign, especially towards the end with Dong Xian, would actually lead to a brief collapse of the Han Dynasty. While Ai's cousin was officially chosen as a successor, this cousin being the Emperor Peng of Han, he would only rule for a few years before Grand Empress Dowager Wang was able to get one of her relatives on the throne, Wang Mang, Emperor Ai's original military commander who had run afoul of Lady Fu. Wang Mang's reign is referred to as the Xin Dynasty, though he was the only ruler of said dynasty. So let's talk a little bit more about Ai before fully wrapping up this episode. Honestly, I was surprised at how much of a royal consort slash Grand Empress Dowager Fu had in this story. 
when I originally started researching this episode, I would have expected to spend more time with Ai and Dongxian. After all, the passion of the cut sleeve is essentially what makes Ai, in most people's minds, an interesting ruler. Unfortunately, he was a pretty ineffective ruler who essentially just gave political positions to whoever was nice to him at the time, and most of his life was spent with Lady Fu. Well, at least he got to die thinking his boyfriend would be emperor. But for now, that's it for this week's episode of Royally Screwed. I hope you enjoyed the journey. Be sure to subscribe to the show, tell a friend, and follow the Denim Creek page on Twitter and Instagram for more info about each episode. Next time, it's another episode of Were They Great? It's gonna be a bit of a weirder Were They Great as we cover the first ruler ever who may have achieved such a title, the 24th century BCE Emperor Sargon of Akkad. I hope you'll join me then for another topsy-turvy look into history's most interesting rulers. Whoa, 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 whoa.